My desire is to finish strong, to fight the good fight, and to finish the race. Dr. Nick is certainly doing that. As I was there with him this week, he said, just pray that I would have a holy boldness. I don't care that people know anything about me, but I want them to know about Jesus because of my life. The reason I showed that video is twofold. One is to just remember and honor our brother in his last days. And two, it's a picture of the hope that I have for this new sermon series that we're kicking off today titled Portraits of Faith. And so we're still in the book of Hebrews. We're not done with the book of Hebrews, and we won't be done with the book of Hebrews for some time. What we're going to do, though, is stop in the book of Hebrews and do an extended sermon series on Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 gives us pictures of people who lived their life by faith. Dr. Nick is, is an example. He's a man who was part of our church body, and we will never see him here on a Sunday morning again. That's the reality. But those of us who knew him, for us, he is a picture of faith. Hebrews 11 has for us pictures or portraits of people who lived their life by faith. And we are encouraged in the book of Hebrews to, to imitate faith. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12 with me. We went through this months ago. But this is some of the basis for this upcoming sermon series. Again, a series within a series is how we can think of it. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, it says, starting at verse 11, the writer of Hebrews says, And we desire each of you to show the same earnestness to have full assurance of hope until the end. There's this idea of perseverance throughout the book of Hebrews where we are being called to persevere until the end. Dr. Nick is persevering until the end, full assurance of hope. He's a picture of a man of faith who we should Im imitate. The passage goes on, verse 12, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So we can become sluggish Christians who doubt our faith, who are unsure about our faith, or we can press ahead, we can persevere until the end with full assurance as we imitate those who have gone before us. And then look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So Hebrews 11 is sandwiched in between Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, and Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, which are both telling us to imitate those who have gone before us. Specifically, those who have passed away because their life is done. They aren't going to renounce Christ. They have finished the race well. And while that's not true yet of Dr. Nick, it will be true of him within the next few days, if not today. And with his last moments, in between gasps for air this week, he said, I want to live with a holy boldness. And Hebrews 11 has for us portraits of people who, with their dying breath, lived their life in faith. And so my hope for us this summer is that as we go through Hebrews 11, we're going to take one figure each week. Today we're going to do an overview on faith. And then starting next week, we're going to start with Abel, the first person mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And every week we're going to take one figure from Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to dig into what did their faith produce? Because they had faith in God, how did they live their life? And then how do we as Christians in 2018 imitate that? for our own perseverance, that we could make it to the end, that with our dying breath, we could say, I want to be a holy, I want to be a witness with holy boldness for 
the Lord. So that's the hope for this sermon series. That's where we're going. I'm extremely excited about it. Again, I will be gone next week as I'll be out of town doing Kendra and Luke's wedding, but Matt will be kicking this off with looking at Abel next Sunday, and I'm extremely excited for that. But today I want to do an overview of Hebrews chapter 11, an overview of faith. We'll start by kind of defining faith and talking about what faith is, and then we'll look at characteristics of faith throughout the summer. So I've asked Angie Hitterdahl, one of our members, to come up and read Hebrews chapter 11 for us. I'm going to ask that you sit. Usually we stand as we read God's word as just a sign of respect, as, as, a, as a way to kind of set it apart from the other things that we do. But this is a long passage, and I think it's going to be more beneficial for you to sit and to listen. If you want to follow along in your own Bible, you can do that. But I also encourage you, if you'd like to, just close your eyes and listen to God's word from Hebrews chapter 11 and let God's word wash over your mind and your heart this morning. Thanks, Angie. Hebrews 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the day that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he was prepared for he has prepared for them a city. 
By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab, the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Let's pray. God, as your word says early in Hebrews, that this word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, effective for dividing bone and marrow, revealing the thoughts and the intents of mankind. And as you do that, Lord, you show us our great need. You reveal our hearts, our sins, our failures, our weaknesses, and you give us the answer the antidote, the Messiah, the Christ Jesus.
And so I pray this morning that we would see you more clearly. I pray this morning that you would stir in our hearts a greater affection for you and empower us to go out as ambassadors of the gospel, as neighbors and witnesses of Jesus Christ. We pray and ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, I think it's good for our souls to sit and listen, just in general. Our world is so busy, and we are so busy talking, and we're so busy bringing in short little messages and snippets that it's good for us to just sit and listen. And in particular, it's good for us to sit and listen to God's word. And as you did this morning, I'm hoping and I'm semi-assuming that a phrase in this passage stood out to you, by faith. If you were paying any attention at all, you probably noticed that this phrase is repeated over and over again. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Moses. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Rahab. By faith, so-and-so. Nineteen times in Hebrews chapter 11, these two words are sandwiched together. By faith. And so I think the author here wants us to pay attention. What is he trying to get at in Hebrews 11, where he's saying, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. The point is that faith is the way that the Christian life is to be lived. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. So if you are a Christian, faith is the only way that you live your life. Faith is the tightrope on which the Christian life is walked out. We are here, if you think about a tightrope going over over a big cliff or something, over a big drop, we, are on, we start our life on one side, right? We start our life in this world. And then eternity, eternity post-Christ is on the other side. And faith is that typewriter that we are moving from one life into the next. And we begin that journey here and now as we receive Jesus Christ. And faith is that tightrope that we are living the Christian life. We walk with Jesus by faith or we don't walk with Jesus at all. That's how the Christian life works. You walk with Jesus by faith or you don't walk with him at all. The only way to live a Christian life is to live it by faith. And so we need to stop and ask, what is faith? Where does faith come from? And what are the fruits of faith? That's what Hebrews 11 is going to show us, the the fruits of faith. Here's the kind of living that faith produces. But first of all, as we do an overview, I want to stop and ask, what is faith? What is it? I mean, the world defines it one way, the church defines it a different way, different churches define it differently. Thankfully, the author of Hebrews gives us a very straightforward, simple definition. He defines faith for us so that we would know once and for all what faith is. Here's what he says, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's the definition of faith. Faith is the assurance, or the Greek word here is hypostasis, which can mean being sure or actually in union with or the foundation. Faith is the foundation. It's the union of our hope and our conviction. Assurance. Faith is assurance. It's not a vague hope. We don't have faith in faith. We don't have faith in something out there that, that we hope to come to pass. It's not like, it's not like um, man, I really hope I get something great for dinner tonight, but I'm not sure about that because I'm not the one planning the menu, so I have to trust that my wife got something great for dinner, like steak on the grill or casserole. Um, faith is an assurance. It's that I actually know what's ahead. He says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The word hope used here isn't, it's also, it's not the way that we use hope. 
Oftentimes we, we hope for things without an assurance, but the word used for hope is more of an expectation. It's a trust. I, I, I hope, I know, I trust, I believe, I assume that this thing will happen. R.C. Sproul, in a great book titled What is Faith, defines it this way. He says, the biblical word for hope does not refer to a desire for a future outcome that is uncertain, but rather a desire for a future outcome that is absolutely sure. So when the writer of Hebrews says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, it's not the assurance of something that I hope comes to pass in the future, but I'm not sure that it will. It's, I, I have this assurance that what I want, what I long for, what I've been promised in the future will come to pass. Hope will come to pass. By the way, I encourage you to order this book and read it. It's extremely short. It's like 60 very small pages. It's more of a book, booklet than a book. An incredible book on helping us to understand and define faith. I encourage that book to you. Faith is, what is it? It's the assurance or it's the, the foundation or the union of things hoped for with the conviction of things not seen. Conviction means like a, like a sentence. It's, you know, if you're convicted, as most of us haven't been probably, if you're convicted, that means there's a sentence. I was just out on the east, west coast for my brother-in-law's graduation from law school. And so he's talking about convictions. He's going to be a prosecuting attorney for the DA's office. And so he's telling me all about what he's learned and what he's doing. And I have no idea what it means. But I know what a conviction means. It means that you're guilty. And so there's a sentence given. And, and the word here used for conviction, it means this sentence. So we could really actually rewrite Hebrews chapter 1 to say this. Here's kind of what it's saying. Literally, it means faith is the union or it's the uniting of what we expect to happen and what actually happens. So biblical faith is this thing of assurance. It's not this thing of vague hopes and dreams. It's, it's not crossing our fingers and hoping that good will come, hoping that God will fulfill his promises, hoping that there is a better life for us after this life, or hoping that there is a more secure future. It's not crossing our fingers and, and longing for. It's saying, it will happen because God has promised. And so this specifically means for eternity, right? I mean, there's passage after passage after passage in the Bible that promises us a glorious inheritance for eternity with Christ. There's few passages that promise us any, any um, financial or physical or circumstantial promises here for this life. I mean, we're not promised that but we are promised a glorious inheritance forever in eternity with Christ. And that's what kept the people of Hebrews 11 going. As we will see over the coming months, these people, as the writer of Hebrews starts, he says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then he'll get into how the people of old, how the people of the Old Testament lived their life because they had faith. They had a biblically defined faith. They didn't have faith designed by a certain church. They didn't have faith as, as it's defined by culture. They didn't have faith as it's defined by certain music and certain songs or just certain intuitions that we have. They had faith as it's defined by scripture. Faith is the assurance. It's the foundation or it's the union of what we long to happen and what will happen. Faith is that. That's what faith is. Faith isn't blind. It's not vague. It's tested and it's proven. So as we, as a church, long to persevere, 
we need to look at examples of people who live their life by faith, as Hebrews tells us, to imitate their faith. Hebrews 13, 7, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. What is faith? It is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's not blind. It's not vague. It's not like Siri. I've been using Siri recently to give me directions. And so as I'm driving, I hold the button and I say, Siri, I need directions to so-and-so. Now, I fully believe that Siri is capable of giving me directions, but she's incapable of giving me the best directions. No matter what, every time I do that, up come three or four options, and I don't know why, maybe it's a setting on my phone, some of you who are tech savvy can help me figure this out later, every time three or four options come up, she has selected the longer option. Just yesterday, it happened again, I was going somewhere and I asked Siri how to get there, and she pulled up three options. One was 24 minutes, one was 27 minutes, and one was 36 minutes. And she had selected the 36-minute option for me to take. So I have faith that Siri knows how to get me somewhere, but I don't trust her to get me there the most efficient way. Faith in God isn't like that. It's not like Siri. Faith in God is like being with the person who mapped out the route, laid down the pavement for the roads, and has traveled this road hundreds of thousands of infinite amount of times. He's going to take us on the path that we should go on. Biblical faith isn't blind, and that's what Hebrews 11 is here to show us. That when we step out in faith and trust God and go on an adventure with God through this life, we aren't stepping out into a great unknown. It's unknown to us, yes. It is not unknown to God. He knows every step of the way. He knows the path. He's been here before. He, he has our life mapped out and he will lead us there. So however unknown stepping in, out in faith to follow God may feel to us, it's known to him. And Hebrews 11 is here to help us be reminded that God leads his people in the way that he desires them to go. As we go through this, we'll see that Abel, that Enoch, that Noah, that Abraham, that Sarah, that Rahab, that all the different people listed, they stepped out not knowing what God had for them, but they stepped out with confidence. They had an assurance of things hoped for and a conviction that God would fulfill his promises. They didn't know what the journey would look like. They didn't know what it would entail, but they trusted. Faith is trust. It's saying, I, I believe in you and who you are and where you're leading me. And we can go through the storms together because God has his ultimate purpose, his glory, and my good in mind. And so that's what faith is. Where does faith come from? That's the next question we have to ask. Where does faith come from? And if we keep reading, again, Hebrews needs to be read in context. So if we keep reading past the end of chapter 11, we come to chapter 12, which we will dig into in a couple months. But we need to stop, we need to go there now and see where faith comes from. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. After Hebrews chapter 11, the author of Hebrews continues his thought and he says, therefore, because of all these examples, because of the people of faith that we're going to look at over the next couple months, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So perseverance, endurance, and actually growing in holiness, throwing off sin comes as we imitate the faith of those who has, have gone before us. 
as we consider the way that Dr. Nick lived his life and continues to live his life in the last days, that actually helps us to throw off sin and to run the race with endurance. And then verse 2 is key. says, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So we have examples here that we are to imitate and we are to follow, but Jesus is the ultimate example, and Jesus is actually the one who faith originates with. Our faith grows and our faith produces good works as we imitate those who have gone before us, but our faith is found in Jesus Christ. He's the one who created faith. Faith comes from God through the person of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, By grace you have been saved through faith. God's grace has saved you through faith, through your trust of him. This is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. Where does faith come from? It comes from God. You can't muster it up. You can't find it on your own. You can't do a series of religious duties and practices to try and receive faith. Faith is a gift from God. Now, we can fan the gift of faith into flames by looking at the heroes who have gone before us and saying, what did faith produce? And, and how did they live their life? And, and how did God do that amazing work through them? And as I look at that, I want to imitate that as we're called to in Scripture. We can fan the gift of faith into flames, but faith isn't a gift that we can find or get on our own. It's a gift from God. So if you have faith in God this morning, Praise him for that. There's no room for pride in the Christian life because you did nothing. God gave you the gift of faith. You aren't wise and smart and holy and moral and awesome enough to, to find God on your own through faith. God gave you the gift of faith. Ephesians 2, 8. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's not of your own doing. It's not of your own doing. It's a gift from God. So receive that gift in humility. Saying, God, great are you. Great are you. Who am I that you would give me this gift? Thank you. And then look at those who have gone before you. Look at your church family and fan that gift of faith into flame. If you don't have faith this morning, Ask God for that gift. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never had an initial seed of faith placed in Jesus Christ, ask him for that gift. You can't do it. You can't force your brain to, to believe. And to, you, can, you can believe. Actually, Scripture tells us that even the demons believe in God and they shudder. So faith isn't intellectual, intellectual assent. Faith isn't belief. Faith is trust. It's saying that I believe God can carry me, and so now I'm stepping out to let him carry me. I trust who he is and what he's done. And so if you've never received the initial gift of faith, ask God this morning to give you the gift of faith. And if you have received it and your faith feels weak, stop trying to muster up more faith on your own. Ask God to fan the gift of faith into flames in your life. And look at those who you respect. Look at those who seem to have great amounts of faith and say, I I want to imitate you because I'm called to biblically. And I want to look at the people in Hebrews 11 and imitate them because we're called to biblically. And as we do that, our faith will be fanned into, our faith will be, the fire of our faith will be fanned into a hot flame. Lastly, what are faith's fruits? 
Okay, so faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of what is not yet seen. Faith comes from God. It comes from Jesus. What does faith do? What does it produce in our life? This is what we're going to look at over the summer months. It produces adventure. It produces adventure. Some of you are adventurous people. You love adventure. You love challenge. You love risk. You love the unknown. The Christian life is for you. Hebrews 11 over and over again shows us that living life with Christ in faith is an adventure. Because you don't know what's coming next, but God does. And so it's this radical adventure. Some of you don't like adventure. Like, you got you to gotta show me the plan. You got to show me the map. I need to know where I'm going. God is good and gracious, and he'll reveal that to some of us. He'll give some of us more stability than others. He knows how we're wired. He wired us that way. He wants to push all of us out in faith so that we trust him, so that we, have, so that we place our faith in him, not in ourselves. But he's gracious and kind. And so those of you who need more structure, those of you who need more detail, those of you who need to see a little more, he may graciously let you see some of that. But as I began by saying, faith is the tightrope that the Christian life is walked on. He doesn't promise us to know the way. He knows the way. He wants us to step out in faith and follow him and go on an adventure with him and journey with him. Hebrews 11 will show us over and over again that the fruit of faith, that what faith produces in us is a life of great adventure. That adventure may be that you live in your same home your entire life but that God's got some incredible things planned for you that you don't know about. That adventure may mean that you move to a different continent to make disciples, which some of you are doing this next year. Our adventures look different, but it's always an adventure with God. He knows where we're going. We don't. We're following him in faith, not blindly, in faith, trusting him. Next thing, we see that a fruit of faith is understanding God and his creation. Look at Hebrews 11. Verse 2, it says, For by it the people of old received their commendation. So by their faith, they received their approval. God justifies us by faith, not by works, by faith. And then verse 3, By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Faith helps us to understand the, the origin of the universe. It helps us to understand why we're here, who created this, who put this all into motion doesn't help us understand the mechanics of creation. I don't care if you're an old earth or a young earth person. Faith doesn't help us understand the mechanics. If God created the world in six, seven literal days or over a course of a thousand years, faith helps us understand that God created the earth with his word. He spoke it into existence. He set it in motion. He is the founder, the author and perfecter of our life, as Hebrews 12 tells us. Faith helps us to believe that God did this, and it helps us to trust that he's upholding it. Faith also is a multi-layered produce. I was trying to think of a different piece of fruit that had multiple different layers and flavors to it, and the only thing I could come up with is like an orange, where you peel off the peel, and there's different, what do you call those? Slices, orange slices that make up an orange. Faith is like that. It's it's this multi-layered piece of it, it, it produces multiple layers of life and vitality. As we go through Hebrews chapter 11, we'll see this, this multifaceted, this multi-layered fruit produced in people who had faith. 
Abraham's faith produced something a little bit different than Enoch's faith. Enoch's faith produced something a little bit different than Rahab's faith, and so on. And we may identify with different characters a little bit more, but what we need to know is that faith, a fruit of faith, is, is variety, diversity, and that's beautiful. So while Hebrews 11 will tell us that Enoch walked with God and he was no more, that's all we know about this guy. We're going to figure that out later on. Enoch walked with God and he was no more. Does that mean he lived a mundane life from doing a nine-to-five job, just going about his daily business? Well, Abraham left his country and went out on this incredible journey with God, it may mean that. And no one's faith was more important or more profound than the others. Faith is multi-layered. It's multifaceted. Faith produces different things in different people for God's glory and for our good. And then lastly, faith is, to, is, is for the preservation of our soul. Now, faith's fruits are, are multi-layered again. There's more than four fruits of faith, and we're going to uncover these throughout the summer. I just want to go with some big categories here this morning as we do this overview. I think one of the most important things that the author of Hebrews is trying to get across to us is that a fruit of faith is preservation of your soul. Faith is the tightrope that we walk the Christian life on. Faith produces a preserved soul. Faith is what allows us to endure until the end. Faith is what allows us to, as Dr. Nick said in the video, fight the good fight, finish the race, so that we could hear the voice of our master say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Faith preserves our soul. Look at the context here. Chapter 10, the end of chapter 10, which Mike did last week. Thank you, Mike. That was an incredible sermon. And it flows into chapter 11. Chapter 10, verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. The author of Hebrews wants us to have confidence in God, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Faith in God, trust in God, stepping out in God is what preserves our soul, our spiritual vitality, our spiritual life. It's what gains us the promised inheritance and it's what helps us move through this life. And then look at the end of chapter 11. So he gives us all these figures, all these portraits of faith, which we're going to look at over the coming months. And then he closes it down, verse 39. He says, all of these, all of these figures, all these people that I've just talked about, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us. Jesus has come. Jesus is better. Jesus is the one who secures our faith. And so these figures are here to help us understand what it looks like to live by faith. But we have received the promised inheritance of Jesus the Christ. He says, apart from us, they should not be made perfect. If faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, what was not seen to the people of Hebrews 11 was the promised Messiah. What is seen to you and I? The promised Messiah. Their faith is proven trustworthy because Jesus has come and now we have Jesus the Christ. And so that's the gospel. That's what we keep in mind. 
We want to grow in faith. We want to fan the gift of faith into flames. And we do that by looking at Jesus, the one who proves faith, the one who proves God to be trustworthy, the one who enhances our faith. Therefore, verse 12, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, look around. This is a cloud of witnesses. Hebrews 11 for us gives us a cloud of witnesses, those who have have died and left a legacy for us to learn from. But we're also surrounded by a crowd right here and now, a cloud of witnesses, which help us to run the race of life in faith, walking the tightrope of faith, trusting God. And so that's my hope and prayer for us these coming months, that our faith would be fanned into flame as we look at these figures. But ultimately, as we, as chapter 12, verse 2 says, look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for it's through him and by him that faith is unleashed and unlocked and flourishes. We're going to do that now by taking communion. This is something that we do every week at Park Community Church, and it's a way that we consistently look to Jesus. The cracker represents his body broken for us. The cup represents his blood shed for us. We're called to imitate the faith of those around us, so we take communion in community. We see the people of faith around us, and our faith is encouraged, but ultimately looking to Christ, the one who the elements represent. And so we're going to pass the plates this morning so you can sit where you're at, and if you have faith in God through Jesus Christ, these elements are for you. If you've never received the gift of faith, ask God for it, and as he grants it, we invite you to take the elements. I'm going to pray, and we'll pass the elements as a way for you to do exactly what Hebrews chapter 12, 2 tells us to do. Look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of your faith. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are, for what you've done, that when our faith is weak and brittle and flaky, that you perfectly trusted God the Father, that you followed him without doubt. And because of that, we are made righteous. I thank you for giving us the gift of faith. I pray that you would fan it into flames over these coming months and here now today as we look to you, Jesus, the founder and perfecter, the author, the finisher of our faith. For your glory, for our good, we pray. Amen.